Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Tuesday. Back at it after the three-day holiday break. Glad to have you aboard with us here today as we take you up until 1 o'clock. Well, Ken... He is on his vacation. He has made his way to California, at least as far as I know. I haven't heard anything differently at this point in time. He'll be joining us, though, here in the uh, coming days. We will get Ken in here, break things down. He made his picks on Friday. Yes, he jumped in from the road as he was making his way across Texas. And I got the question from a lot of people, what in God's name, if he's going to California, is he doing down in Texas, making his way across? Want to stay away from the mountains. So instead of cutting through, going the uh, I-80 way and making his way that way, no, he departed south, went down to Oklahoma City, then across to Phoenix, and then completed his sojourn over to L.A., and that's where he'll be here for about the next month. But he'll be with us. Don't worry. Ken will be back instead coming up later on this week, and hopefully uh, once he gets settled, his picks will be better because right now he is 0-4 for the week and one game pending. That is the Arizona-Oklahoma game coming up later in the week. Your boy TC, though, handed a 4-1 and on our Football Friday picks presented by Circus Sports, and that means I'm getting back into this thing. You know, Ken, for the longest time, was hitting a ridiculous, unsustainable number. He was north of 70% for a good portion of the season against the spread. Not the case anymore as we're starting to cut into that lead. Let's see, what, about five and a half games back is what I am right now of Ken. This thing's not over. If you were saying that the champion for 2023-24 was going to be Ken Miller, <laughs> not so fast. Speaking of contests, now, Ken and myself, we've been done for a long time in Circa Survivor. Talk about the contest a lot. We go out there every year. We invite you to do the same. Looking forward to already getting back out there for 2024 and setting it up. It's down to four contestants. Now, this is a prize pool north of 92 million dollars. That's right. For every $1,000 entry, it's all put in the kitty. Nothing stays with Circa. They don't keep any money. There is no rake. That is not what it's about. No, it is about winner take all for this contest. And going into the weekend, it was down to 10. Christmas was its own separate day. So you had to survive Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, the group of games there. And then yesterday, Christmas Day was its own week, if you will. You had to make sure that you kept one of the teams, if you would have kept Kansas City, and used them, you would have been out. Not the case. The four remaining entries, as six were eliminated on Sunday in the official Week 16 of the NFL. Those four entries all had the Eagles yesterday, so they all survived. And with two other upsets, they were all very lucky that it played out in that fashion. The sad news, though, is one of our own. Local guy, Jack who was still alive. He was one of the 10 remaining entries that got in there. He was still alive. He was not one of the ones that survived. He had the Broncos in Sunday night football on Christmas Eve night. Obviously, the Broncos fell at the hands of the Patriots, so his group was eliminated with that selection. He did tell me that, yes, he was able to get a little bit down and at least get some kind of hedge there, but obviously uh, not the amount of money you're talking about, $9.2 million to the winner. So it is down to four 
in Circa Survivor as we make our way into Week 17 of the NFL slate. We'll talk about that more later on this week as Mike Palm will join us as he does, as always, from Circa Sports and get a little bit more into that one. Me, didn't survive very long. My entry was done at Week 1. Those stupid Minnesota Vikings eliminated me. Speaking of the NFL, what are the big storylines and the narratives going back to last night? I, I was so excited to see the Ravens and the 49ers. Obviously, San Francisco, when they've been healthy this season, had played at such a high level. And, you know, you can make an argument. People are talking about, should it be Brock Purdy for MVP? Should it be Christian McCaffrey in the season that he's put together? The weapons that he had. So many people want to go negative on Brock Purdy. And, well, look, if, it, if anybody was in that system with those weapons, they'd be good. Well, it's not the case. We've seen other quarterbacks in that system, and they weren't very good. Sam Darnold came in last night, threw ahead a touchdown drive. He continued and then ended on an interception on fourth and goal from, what, the 20-yard line, about what it was on that one. Not anybody can do what Brock Purdy has done, but it was bad last night. And the betting odds certainly tell you a similar story. So going into yesterday, and that's when I last looked at the MVP numbers, Brock Purdy was an overwhelming favorite. You had the guy on Prop Swap that we talked about last week had a ticket worth $200,000 if Brock Purdy wins the MVP. Well, he sold it. He sold that ticket for $125,000, and he's got to be feeling really good at this point in time because Brock Purdy is no longer the betting favorite. Brock Purdy is now, in fact, the fourth choice. This is from DraftKings. Lamar Jackson with a win last night, and boy, what a wizard he is. Lamar Jackson is now your betting favorite at minus 160. He was 4-1. to one going into uh, the game last night. Christian McCaffrey is now the second choice at 4-1 to one himself. Tua Tungavailoa is your third betting choice at 10-1. to one. There's Brock Purdy at 12-1. to one. Josh Allen, fifth at 14-1. to one. Dak still in there at 20-1. to one. Tyreek Hill, 22-1. to one. And there is Jalen Hurts at 25-1. to one. So those are your top eight. Patrick Mahomes is down to 35-1 to one now. I said last week when those numbers were so high on Mahomes, maybe it was worth a shot. You're not going to get a better price probably ever. Patrick Mahomes, at least of the foreseeable future at that one. But after the performance yesterday, the two defensive touchdowns from the Raiders, yeah, don't see that one happening. And Lamar Jackson now your betting favorite. For Brock Purdy and the way that one went, this is going to say a lot. And there were these kind of performances in college, right? We saw some of the most boneheaded decision-making for a college quarterback the play against TCU, the backwards pass that went to the defensive lineman that reined it in for the touchdown. Just some absolutely head-scratchers. There's been times it didn't go well. And last night, though, he was banged up. It was a benching. It was. It's okay to say that. Cyclone fans, it's okay to say the truth. Look, Brock Purdy was benched against Drake. Brock Purdy was benched against Iowa. Those things happen. It doesn't take away from him as a person. Just the reality. That's what happened. And last night... After they cut it to two touchdowns, after the same Darnold drive, they just went with him. Is it concerning going forward for Brock Purdy? I don't think so. The same Darnold is not going to unseat him as a starter. It may be a narrative that is out there. It may be a narrative that people want to cling on to and generate a little bit of clicks and those kind of things. Absolutely not. After Brock Purdy puts together this kind of season, right? A year where he is now put together. 68.8% completion percentage. A quarterback rating of 112.2. 4,050 yards passing. Averaging 270 passing yards per game. 29 touchdowns against 11 interceptions. No, that guy's not losing his job. He just isn't. 
Banged up, yes. Could have gone back in, absolutely. He was benched. He was benched in a game, though it wasn't unwinnable after they cut it to 14. They just decided to go with a quote-unquote hot hand. He'll be out there this week. He'll be the starter come playoff time. Now, four interceptions again, and certainly on the road against a bad Washington defense and one of the worst defenses out there. Look, the Commanders are 30th in total defense, 31st in passing defense, 23rd in rushing defense, 32nd, last in all the NFL in points allowed at over 30 points per game. If the struggle continues this week, even on the road, we're having a different conversation. But don't buy the narrative. It was a bad game. They're going to happen. And the list of quarterbacks that have thrown four interceptions in the game in the NFL is incredibly long. Tony Romo, Brett Favre, Kurt Warner. It goes on and on. Plenty of quarterbacks have had clunkers like that. He'll be fine. The 49ers will be fine. And if you're hoping for this at the time, you're waiting for that loss because you didn't get in as they kept winning football games and they kept getting better and better. The price is not much better on still the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. Again, from DraftKings, the 49ers plus 225. Yesterday going into the game, plus 210. The Ravens increased a little bit, but not a ton. Plus 350, 7-2 on the Ravens. The Dolphins are now the third choice. No thanks, even with that win against Dallas, plus 750. Eagles at 8-1, along with the Chiefs. Cowboys, 10-1. to There's those Buffalo Bills, now at 12-1. to The Lions at 17-1. to Speaking of that, this Minnesota Vikings squad, a huge opportunity in front of them, right? A real chance for them to go out there, get back in the mix. If they win out, they got a chance, right? Win out, you got a real opportunity with just one other Detroit loss to win the division, they didn't show up. Nick Mullins, you just look at the yardage. Whoa, what a game from Nick Mullins. He stinks. A bad decision-making. I'm at the point where I've heard this from a ton of Vikings fans. We know Josh Dobbs was a great story, but it was just that. It was a story. It was not a guy that is going to continue to play at a high level throughout the course of the season, and that played out, right? It definitely did. But after what we've seen from Nick Mullins... Four interceptions in the game. And not just interceptions. Like, when we talk about Brock Purdy and those four interceptions, there was a tip ball in there. There was really only one terrible mistake out of those four interceptions. Nick Mullins, all four of those stunk. It could have been a whole lot more for Mullins in that football game. It's not Dobbs. It's not Mullins. Cousins isn't coming back. Isn't it time to see what the young guy has? You're 7-8, and eight, and though it's not completely over for the Vikings. Don't you want to see what Jaron Hall has? He went out there before the concussion in his start against Atlanta, and that was the Josh Dobbs game, right? They signed him up, brought him in, didn't know anybody's name on the roster, didn't know his guys. They're working out his cadence on the sideline with the whole offensive line over on the sideline before he went into the football game. But before that, Jaron Hall came in, marched them right down the field, looked really good before that concussion. I think it's time. On Jaron Hall, we're not talking about you know, some 21-year-old rookie. He's 25. He's been around. See if you have something there. Go with it the final two games of the season. You wrap up this week against the Packers on Sunday Night Football and then the road trip to Detroit to wrap up the season. You can still get back in this. There's still an opportunity to be a playoff team. It is still there. Just going to take a whole lot more to get there. Speaking of that, your NFL playoff set right now. 
The 49ers maintain the number one seed, though they are tied with Philadelphia and Detroit. All three of those teams are 11-4. and four. So the 49ers would earn the bye at this point. The number two seed would be the Eagles, meaning that they would face off against Seattle in the first round. Detroit as a division winner, they would play host to the Rams. And then the 4-5 matchup would be Tampa, your leader in the NFC South. They would host the Dallas Cowboys at 11-5. and five. Game back for the Vikings, the Falcons, the Packers, the Saints, the Bears. Two back. Another win against Arizona. If they just, oh boy, would have held on against the Browns. It's not even the Hail Mary play that Mooney dropped in the end zone that would have beat Cleveland. There could have been more there. On the other side of the AFC, obviously Baltimore maintains their spot as the number one seed and the bye that goes along with it. Number two seed is Miami at 11-4. and four. They would play host right now to Indianapolis that holds the last wild card spot. Kansas City, what's wrong with the Chiefs? At 9-6, and six, they would play host to Buffalo. Ooh, look out there. And Cleveland would go to Jacksonville, the winner of the South. Cleveland just keeps finding a way with Joe Flacco at the quarterback spot. That's a run around the NFL. Hey, a run around what we got coming up for you today here on Miller and Conan. Good things going on right now. And uh, we will start things with a trip to Memphis. That's right. Alec Bussey is going to join us to kick things off. Alec Bussey from CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. We will get thoughts from him as we prepare for this bowl game coming up Friday afternoon, 2.30. That's right. If you need to take a early, how about this? Just take the afternoon off, right? 2.30, make your way out there. Maybe stop by some of our favorite places. Go by the chicken coop. Go watch the game. Have a good time uh, with your friends. We'll talk about football and a little basketball coming up here with Alec Bussey in about 10 minutes. At 11.45, we're going to talk a little bit more about Kansas City and the Chiefs with Nick Athen from ChiefsBlitz.com. This Chiefs squad, losing in that fashion, the frustration that you saw from Patrick Mahomes, it just continued. He's getting bounced around. There was a close hit on the sideline. He got that call earlier this season, led to potentially thinking, well, you're going to get it every single time. Obviously, that was not the case there. It's just off. Now, Nick is an ardent supporter of his team. He is a guy that is very much glass half full. He doesn't get overly concerned. He believes in his team. Even in the years before Patrick Mahomes, maybe he shouldn't believe in his team. He's one of those guys. I want to see, though, is Nick down on the squad a little bit? We'll talk about that coming up at about 11.45. Second hour of the program, we'll begin things talking Hawkeyes with David Eicholt from 24-7 Sports. HawkeyeInsider.com, that comes up at about 12.05. And then a run around the NFL with our friend Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News at about 12.30. Vinny will drop in and we'll... Go wide-ranging across the NFL before we wrap things up with my picks of the day presented by Circa Sports. Well, the big local news over a very quiet time of the weekend is the potential return for Iowa linebacker Nick Jackson. Nick Jackson, who came in this season out of the transfer portal from Virginia, had three straight 100-tackle seasons with the Who's. Great middle linebacker. And early on this season, they had to play outside. For the first time, he moved out. Jay Higgins maintained the middle linebacker spot. We wondered how in August camp that was going to play out. Higgins eventually won it and replaced about as well as you can an All-American in Jack Campbell. So Higgins was good. Nick Jackson wasn't early in the year. Early in the season, you could tell this was a guy playing a different position. Not only going into a new scheme and the way that Iowa does things, and it's different the way that Phil Parker coaches defenses than a lot of programs that are out there. So understanding exactly what it is and what you have to do, coupled with, Having to play outside. Having to play a different spot. 
By the time we got to about the middle of October, though, you could see the light bulb really come on for him, both in pass coverage, which was a big issue early on, but even in the run game. That Iowa run defense early this season, kind of the dirty little secret, it wasn't very good. And it proved so much as the year went on. Now, you can argue a part of that is the teams that they played and obviously the offenses that they saw in the Big Ten West. And I'm buying a part of that, but Nick Jackson took a step forward. A lot of these guys defensively took a step forward. The ability now for Nick Jackson to come back, and that's all it is right now. He has not announced that he's coming back. There has not been anything that has come out and said, but he did get the waiver from the NCAA. He got the waiver because his final season at Virginia a year ago was cut short with a devastating shooting on their campus, including a couple of his teammates. So they didn't play, I believe it was the final three games of the season. And because of that, the NCAA, there were some murmurs that potentially they would be handed. Those players that didn't play at the end of their season would be given another year of eligibility. And for Nick Jackson, that is the case. That comes from Brad Heinrich of the Iowa Swarm, Hawkeye Swarm, uh, the Iowa Collective. And he had that news on a couple of the websites out there, both Hawkeye Report with Tom Cakert's site over there and 24-7 with David Eichholt and Sean Bach over on their site as he passed along that news. No guarantees that he comes back. But here's the other great thing about it. I mean, if he decides to come back, even if Jay Higgins decides to depart, all right, now you're set at middle linebacker, right? I don't know what they think about Jaden Harrell who looks to be the next in line at the middle linebacker spot, a local kid from Urbandale. He played a lot of goal line. You remember that game back at Wrigley and the goal line stand that the Hawkeyes had defensively against the Wildcats. He was in there a ton in that one. He looks to be the next in line at the middle linebacker spot. And then you throw in what they have coming in, a huge recruiting class of linebackers. You bring in a veteran like Nick Jackson, potentially Jay Higgins, look out. Speaking of Brad Heinrichs, he's got a lot of work to do because Iowa's still trying to figure out the roster crunch, uh, what they're going to do and what they're going to be as they sit over the scholarship limit or very close to it at this point in time. And they're still working to get back. Not just Nick Jackson, not just that, but also the aforementioned Jay Higgins. Cooper DeGene, I think that's a non-starter. It's still out there. Quinn Schulte, Jamari Harris, Luke Lachey, Eric All, Kyler Fisher, Sebastian Castro, all these guys can come back for another year. And most of the guys you're talking about are defensive guys. His defense got very good as the year went on. And you throw all those guys back for another season, whoop, look out. That could be incredibly salty. Switch things up. We're going to talk Cyclones when we come back here on Miller and Condon, as we'll be joined by Alec Bussey. Breakdown of the bowl game against Memphis, what we see. And an old friend back in the spotlight again, Joe Skates. Yeah, Cyclone fans, you remember that name. Former Cyclone wide receiver. He's doing some good things in Memphis. Expect to see plenty of him coming up on Friday afternoon, 2.30 kickoff with that one. We'll break down the Liberty Bowl. We'll talk some hoops. We'll talk Cyclones as we continue with our friend Alec Bussey from CycloneAlert.com. Quick timeout. We're back with more on the other side. It's Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Stay right there. Before history is written... It's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 106.3. T's and C's apply. Eleven twenty-seven on a Tuesday. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. Glad to have you aboard with us here today. Got a little cyclones right now as they get ready for Friday and the Liberty Bowl. Cyclones have made their way down there. Practice going on and a busy time of year as the crossover time continues. Alec Bussey joins us right now. CycloneAlert.com. It is part of 24-7 Sports. Alec, how are you doing today? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Excited to uh, be back on the radio with you guys after celebrating the holidays with some family. Absolutely. Always a good time and glad to have you back here in the mix. It is that busy time that continues. One more game to go for the football team. And and overall, Alec, we've talked about this a little bit. You come into the season, uh, what, for Nick, a couple games into the year as he makes his way back home to Wisconsin. You come in here and kind of the time that you're taking over it was a very tumultuous time. I don't know how much kind of background you had before that about Iowa State, but when you walked into the fold here, I don't think there was any way thinking that you felt probably you're going to be covering a bowl team at that point, right? I thought there was a chance just because the Big 12 is so even from like a talent perspective mm-hmm. week to week, but I thought that it would be a, a little bit unlikely. But um, I think those feelings are maybe amplified a little bit after the first three weeks when they started one and two and had that loss to. Ohio and then obviously lost to Iowa where, you know, the offense just didn't look like it was going to give them much of an opportunity against quality opponents. And that all started kind of started to change when they got back from Ohio. They obviously um, looked pretty good against Oklahoma State, they pretty decent in the first quarter against Oklahoma. Things kind of started to come together on that side of the ball. Um, and the defense maintained the level of play that has become expected of that side of the ball over the last couple of years. But John Haycock is the defensive coordinator, and they end up finishing the season 7-5 and five or probably end the year playing their best game of the year against Kansas State where they win 42-35 in a pretty dramatic fashion against a rival. So um, overall, a great year, obviously, for Iowa State. Matt Campbell said uh, an opportunity, obviously, to see maybe even some new faces a part of this, some younger guys that have been out there uh, getting some production. We still await the decision of TJ Tampa and what it's going to be. Any more buzz on that front? Let's start right there with Tampa. Uh, an opportunity, obviously, for him to be a, fi- a high pick in this upcoming April's NFL draft. Heard anything more on the Tampa front? Yeah, I know he's down there with the team in, in Memphis right now. I know he's continuing to go through practice. Matt Campbell said previously that um, you know, that decision would be made in the days prior to the bowl game, which is a similar timeline, I guess, to what Brees Hall did back before what would have been the Cheez-Its Bowl, I believe. You might need to correct me on that. Um, when he decided to make that opt-out decision, it's a little bit of a different strategy, I guess, for Iowa State than maybe some other programs where if a guy's not going to play, then why practice him, right? Because I'm like, he's still risking getting hurt um, in that contact thing or just kind of a free thing in practice. But then also you're limiting the reps for younger players who, you know, are going to be playing in the game and who are going to be playing in the future. So um, Tampa hasn't made a decision just yet, but he is down with the team in Memphis. He is practicing with the team. Um, so maybe those are positive signs for him, him making one last appearance in a cycling uniform in the bowl game. 
be really good to see, obviously, a guy that's incredibly talented and one more go around. The young guys have stand out this year. Uh, you saw Rocco Beck, obviously, the emergence of him this year. Abu Sama, the performance against Kansas State. I mean, that one's going to live in lore for a very long time in Cyclone Nation, what he was able to put together and put there out there on the field. Speaking of those young guys, though, those are the ones that everybody knows. Who are some or more of the young guys that you're looking forward to seeing out there one final time and see if they can build a forward going into 20? 2024. Yeah, I think I look to the secondary. Um, John Tez Williams was someone who kind of started to get some more snaps late in the season. He actually played really well against BYU. Um, I believe he had a start against Kansas. He's someone who I would certainly keep an eye on, especially if Tampa doesn't play. And even if Tampa does play, maybe they kind of limit his snaps a little bit to where he only plays in the first half or he only plays a couple series um, in each quarter or something like that. Um, and I think it would be interesting to see a guy like John Tez Williams see if he gets more staff, he gets more opportunity. And, you know, he was pretty impactful in his opportunity at BYU. Like he comes out with the pick, has a couple of PBUs at BYU as well. So I think he's certainly a name that I would like to kind of follow and track for, for the Liberty Bowl. A couple of good names there and a couple of youngsters. You continue to build this roster up. We uh, wrap things up from last week and recruiting uh, day. It's different. Uh, even I'm sure since you've joined this business, uh, things have just changed so much. And, and can you continue to evolve in the recruiting calendar? Do you like the way that it's set up with everything here? You got the transfer portal opening. You got this December signing day. Do you think that there can be a better way to do this as it pertains to what these football coaches are going through during the month of December? Yeah, there has to be a better way to do it. Um, I certainly have ideas on it. I think that the timing of the early signing period needs to change. Um, there definitely still needs to be two signing periods, and coaches won't allow there to not be two signing periods because they like getting kids on campus as early enrollees mm-hmm. in January too much for there to not be one. So I wouldn't be opposed to it moving to August 1st or um, sometime in July because you're seeing so many kids take official visits in May and June now where they kind of know where they want to go by July. Um so I think you could see the early signing period move to, like I said, July, early August, and that would allow classes to be finalized more or less by the early fall. Um, and then, you know, you're still going to be able to make your late additions to the class, kind of like we saw Iowa State do at those last commitment before the early signing period last week. You still just make those additions, and you make those additions in February at the traditional signing period, which is that first weekend in, um, in February. So... I think that moving the early signing period to August or July would be a good strategy, and that would allow coaches to focus more on the transfer portal, focus more on postseason play, which for more programs is going to be taking a bigger priority starting next year with the 12-team playoff. So I think that that, um, that is a strategy that I might consider following, and I do think the calendar is going to be changed pretty significantly here in the next couple of years. Really enjoyed uh, speaking to some guys that we talked about. Uh, your article up at CycloneAlert.com talking about Miles Purchase, a guy that certainly did not have the year this year that people anticipated. Uh, injuries definitely banged up throughout the course of the year, but the way that he bounced back after the injury, after a couple of rough games against the Oklahoma schools, a guy that certainly talented and with TJ Tampa obviously departing, a potential for him to kind of be that star of the back end of the defense next season. Your thoughts on Miles Purchase and hopefully a healthy 2024? Yeah, I think it's a big opportunity for him next season to kind of step into being Iowa State's number one corner. Um, he'll be a starter for what is going to be a sports season in college. Um, he'll be a third-year starter in the Iowa State defense. 
So it, it's a big opportunity for him next year to kind of take on a bigger role for Iowa State's defense. And I think a lot of that kind of starts for him on Friday against Memphis in the Liberty Bowl. And he kind of seems to understand that, believe that as well. And that kind of goes if Tampa's playing or not. If Tampa's not playing, I think it certainly becomes even more true against a pretty good Memphis offense. So um, I think 2024 is a big opportunity for him, and it's a big opportunity for the defense that should return plenty of starters. And um, he'll just be one of the big names of that group. Well, let's uh, take a quick look at the game. Got a little basketball coming up as well, where we talk with Alec Bussey from 24-7 Sports. And, Alec, it's a different world, but when we talk about these bowl games, you have to start with the opt-outs. We talk about the potential likely only of Major One and TJ Tampa as we still await what his decision is going to be and what's going to be happening there. On the Memphis side, a group of five team coming into this one. Not a whole lot there either. I mean, this this feels for bowl games about as good as you're going to have. I know Memphis has a couple of guys in the portal, what a couple of offensive linemen that appear to be a little bit concerning there. But overall, pretty much a full complement on both sides when you're talking about this game. Yeah, I think that makes it exciting heading into Friday's game. You feel like you're going to see two teams close to or at full strength, which I think is exciting. Um, and it should make things a little bit better for the game on Friday and uh, more interested with fans overall. When you look at this Memphis team, you mentioned the offense. Definitely Seth Hennigan, their quarterback. Uh, he's a guy that you have to mention out of Texas. He's put together a nice year, 28 touchdown passes against nine picks this year. Uh, your thoughts on him and that Memphis offense as a whole, what Iowa State's going to see Friday? Yeah, you mentioned um, Hennigan. He's obviously the one who kind of gets it all going, but they also have um, a couple of receivers who have over 800 receiving yards on the year in Rock Taylor um, and Amar. Um, Blake and C, I think is how you pronounce the last name. Those you guys can have for 10 touchdowns. Um, and they also have a talented running back, um, and Blake Watson, who's run for 1,000 yards and 14 scores. So it's an explosive offense, and I would say the defense is going to have um, one of its bigger challenges, I would say, of the season in terms of the explosivity of the Memphis offense. Defensively, though, the Tigers not very good. We get a shootout here? <laughs> It'd be funny if we did, right, yeah. considering the struggles that Iowa State has had at times this season to put up big numbers. Um, but it would be kind of ironic for Iowa State to end the year posting 40 points in back-to-back weeks for the first time all season. So there's a possibility of it, um, especially if they continue to break some big plays like they did in the final game of the year against K-State. On the basketball side, one more to go for the Cyclone men. It'll be New Hampshire. Now, we kind of laugh about some of these teams that they played, You know, the Florida A&Ms of the world that just aren't very good. For a bye game, I guess New Hampshire's at least okay. I, I'm trying to sell you know ice to an Eskimo here. No, I, they're definitely one of the better teams that they've played in, in the non-conference, especially at home. You look at some of the bye games. New Hampshire's around like 225, I believe. Mike Kempom, all of the other teams that they've played are, um, especially at Hilton Coliseum, in the 300s. I would say New Hampshire's pretty comparable to DePaul in terms okay. of like their metrics and where they rank in a lot of those areas. So, I would still expect Iowa State to roll, um, not have to be too worried about things, especially with it being at home. Um, and having a few days to prepare, I believe the guys get better on campus this morning and have practice this afternoon. Um, so they'll have a few days to prepare and kind of continue to get ready for their final night conference game of the year. So I, I do expect Iowa State to kind of roll and then go into Big 12 playing against Oklahoma on January 6th. Yeah, it's going to be a fun start. Big 12 going to be a behemoth again this year. And covered it all, he will be there. And Alec Bussey from 24-7. Alec, thanks for the time as always here. Normally our Monday spot, but on a Tuesday, and it'll be the same next week with the New Year's Day, but we'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate the time. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Looking forward to having a good week.
And you can find it all at CycloneAlert.com. Alec Bussey doing great work over there, keeping everybody up to date on everything Cyclone. Quick time out. We change gears here. We get back into football, but the NFL variety. What is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs? Something is off. We'll talk about it with Nick Athen from Chiefsblitz.com. That's next as we continue. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. 227. on 106.3 KXNO. I'm the Condon side of things. Trent Condon here. Ken will be back with us later in the week. Tomorrow, the birthday boy. Turns 65. We'll see if we get Ken in here for a birthday greeting. Wish him a happy birthday tomorrow, though, on Twitter. He'll get a kick out of that. Joining us right now, you've heard him on these airwaves for many years. This might be a different kind of conversation. He is Nick Athen from CheeseBlitz.com. Nick, Watching the game yesterday, have it on. The kids got all their new presents. It was great. I mean, they're they're playing, yeah. hanging out around the tree. Let us just have the TV. There was no TV viewing for them, so it was watching football. And just a confounding, weird, crazy day. Definitely not the Christmas present you were looking for, Nick. <clears throat> no, it definitely wasn't. And you know, this the Chiefs were off from the opening snap. I mean, the Raiders just punched them in the mouth in the first series, and then. And Chiefs punt the ball and they have a perfect chance to recover a fumble. <clears throat> and two guys missed the ball. And, you know, just that was one of the weirdest games I, I, I've ever seen, I think. Uh, beyond the disappointment factor, you know, Aiden O'Connell goes, what, 9 and 21 for 62 yards, two sacks, quarterback rating of uh, 12.1, and he's a 20 to 14 winner. Um, that's, that's the strangest stat line I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Hell, Tommy Townsend was one for one, for Christ's sake. So at the end of the day, it's like, oh, my God, you know, what happened? And, and this team's just, they're lost from top to bottom. I'm talking head coach, quarterback, players. They are a disheveled mess. You're normally a very <laughs> optimistic guy. And even the years maybe yeah. you shouldn't be as optimistic about your team. You always happen. I mean, going back to the before, before the Mahomes era when we talked a lot, Nick, I, I know that's just you and kind of the way that you're built it's hard to find optimism right now. And outside of going back to the old tried and true, well, 15's back there. 15 doesn't look right. Mahomes, he's frustrated. You can see that frustration. He just feels like a different guy that we've grown accustomed to over the last half decade. Yeah, we're seeing a side of, of Patrick Mahomes that, quite honestly, um, you know, we've never seen before. And for me, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think for him to outwardly show his um, – you know, frustration and getting guys' faces. And, you know, that's that's what Tom Brady did. And when things went right on the field, Tom just self-corrected. He didn't care what the coaches said, what the coaches did, or what the play call was. But the problem right now is that you're having a situation to where you've got, um, you know, Patrick out there, and no one else knows where to line, line up. You've got uh, – everybody's got an immense amount of pressure on them. The offensive line is terrible. The play calling is atrocious. The time – uh, and distance from the play call to get to uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, how many times do you say just call the damn darn play? And, you know, it's just, it's such a disheveled mess right now. And I don't, I don't know if there's a fix. There's certainly not a fix this year. Now, you know, Trent, I'll give you my optimism. Can the Chiefs win the last two and four postseason games? Can they go six and oh? Absolutely can because this defense is that good. Yeah. Um, you know, ha- had they just, and had it just filled the gaps on a couple of the Zamir White runs, you know, he wouldn't have had 100 yards. So 
there's simple fixes for all this, but the bottom line is Andy Reid is just out of sync with the adjustments that, that defenses have made this year around the league. And I think that's something he just hasn't, hasn't conquered yet, and I don't think there's time to do it. You're a proponent <laughs> when Andy Reid uh, hangs it up. Matt Nagy taking over. Yeah. I watched Matt yeah. Nagy in Chicago. I was not a fan. You can imagine. Uh, we've had conversations during the offseason about that. Are you still about Matt Nagy taking over when Reed departs? Well, you know, I mean, Matt Nagy is Brett Beach's best friend, so yeah. he's always going to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, they were teammates. They were friends. They worked together. Um, you know, I, I think this. I think, I, I, we, first of all, we're not blaming Matt Nagy for any of this because Andy Reed calls all the plays. Right. He makes the final decision. All, all the job is of him, uh, of Nagy, is to call the play in in a timely manner, which he's struggling with, get the right personnel out there. Um, so, you know, that's what his primary responsibility is and to get the quarterback ready for game day. It's clearly not quite working the way it was supposed to. You know, one of your questions might be, you know, what about Eric Bieniemy? Well, listen, all Eric did was kind of get a get-in-your-face and a rah-rah guy, and maybe that's what this team needs because there is no offensive – coaching leader uh, there's there's no there's no assistant coach stepping up there's nobody getting in these guys faces there's nobody making adjustments they're all just dependent on Andy Reid and he's just getting a bunch of yes sir you know lip service from his coaches and say okay Andy well you do what you think's right you know someone's got to step up and maybe that's Reid has to take on a different capacity or just turn the offense over to Patrick like like you know Hank Stram did with Lynn Dawson worked out pretty well for them but they're, they're, they're trying to make Patrick Mahomes a pocket passer, which he's not. They're not designing any plays in which, you know, when's the last time we saw reverse? Yeah. You know, how many trap runs have we seen? How many screen passes are we doing? You know, it's just like, granted, Mahomes is running for his life, but he's panicking in the pocket. There, there were times yesterday where he had guys wide open all game long. In every one of those tough situations, he just didn't trust that the receiver would catch the ball. Instead, he throws an out route. That's an easy pick six. Then he fumbles on a stupid play that should never have been called, you know, right after that. And it was another seven points. So, again, they have so much pressure on their shoulders right now. They're, they're not having any fun. Kelsey's throwing helmets. Kelsey, uh, Mahomes is screaming. And he gave, you know, Kelsey a shove yesterday. So it's just like, what's going on here? And here's the defense. Aiden O'Connell, 9 of 21 for 62 yards. Didn't complete a pass in the second, third, or fourth quarter. <laughs> what does that tell you? That means they're going to run the ball. Uh-huh. And we couldn't stop the run in the last drive. Oh, and not only that, I mean, they're, they're <clears throat> running backs not even out there. I mean, it's yeah, it's Amir White who, okay, young guy out of Georgia. You know, he's talented. But just it, it's absolutely befuddling the way this goes. And you know, another thing, the only running game he got was Mahomes scrambling. He's getting banged up. He's not getting the calls maybe he got earlier yeah. this season. Juwan Taylor... Uh, <clears throat> What can you do with a guy that obviously is your most talented guy? He's going to be out there as your tackle, but he just time in and time out picks up these penalties that are befuddling. Yeah, this this is um, you know for the for us old enough to remember uh, the Chiefs signed a cornerback out of the Giants called Carlton Gray. Uh, <laughs> Carl Peterson signed him. Terrible, highly highly touted. Was going to be the next up and coming great cornerback. This kind of reminds me of that. I mean, Taylor's just terrible. Yeah. And, and, and this falls a lot on Andy Hack, the offensive line coach, who's got to go. Mm. He is, he's killing this offensive line. 
his 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 coaching style and his inability to get these guys to you know fix their fit footwork and the timing. You know, a lot of this falls on coaching, but at the end of the day, you know, you've got you've got tail, and they're stuck with him. They paid him what eighty some million dollars, and they can't get out of this deal till after the two thousand and twenty four season. So they're stuck with him for another year. Now, hopefully, he turns around. He's got talent. He was one of the hottest free agent right tackles out there. Um, he got in line with what other tackles got at the right tackle position because it's now a premium position. But you know, he's just not playing well and. You know, a Wanya Morris, man, he got, man, he got welcome to the NFL yesterday. He 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 was beat all day long, and the Chiefs didn't have an answer, and they didn't put a tight tight end out there, you know, to to to, to chip the defenders, and you know, they just it just goes to show you that you know the best intentions of rebuilding your offensive line, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. But what's troubling to me, Trent, is the interior of the offensive line is just getting beat off the ball. Yeah, there. Are, Every one of these, every one of these losses, you know, they lost four games at Arrowhead. Every single one of them, all those teams had one thing in common: they rushed four guys for for ninety percent of the game. Just, so, what does that tell you? They don't have any respect for the Chiefs' entire offensive line. You know, and <clears throat> another thing, we, we were talking about this a bit earlier. You brought up, you know, just seeing some diversification out of the offense, and you know, change of pace and reverse and, and do things like that. This screen game, which has obviously been a huge part of 25 years of Andy Reid coaching, right? That screen game is always good. It looks broken. I know Edwards Alaire had that one big play, what, the 32-yarder. But short of that, yeah. the screen game, that is a huge part. It just, is that go back to the offensive line, not getting out there, not blocking, having young receivers that probably aren't real good blockers at this point? What is it? Because that's the part that you know you could always rely on with the Andy Reid coach team, and it's not happening this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's not the receivers blocking. I think actually the Chiefs have some of the better blocking wide receivers in the NFL. Um, so to me, that, I don't think that's it. I think it's just the inability to think. I mean, I think it's the Chiefs don't feel they can fool the Raiders and do a screen press. They think it's going to be broken up. They tried a couple of times, and, and the Raiders are right there. The problem with the Chiefs' offense right now is that the fact that Andy Reid has made almost no adjustments this year you can tell if the Chiefs are bunched at the line of scrimmage what, what, what play options are available. If they spread the field, which they don't do anywhere near enough, mm-hmm. even if they use three out of four guys as decoys, you bunch everybody together and you have that kind of pass rush, well, Mahomes isn't going to have a lot of options. And then you've got receivers who are running 15- and 20-yard routes instead of taking the six, seven, or eight yards in front of them like every other NFL offense does. So, you know, Andy is very predictable. I can watch from my living room and say, okay, this is a pass or this is a run. If I can do that, now I'm not no expert by any means, but you know, in, in the basic way, watching Andy Reid and the way he formulates and puts certain players on the field, you can tell what's going to be a pass to Rasheed Rice with two blockers in front of him when they have three wide. You can tell on the bubble stuff that, you know, that they're going to split the field a certain way. And what do the defenders do? They just kind of go back in the area and say, beat us. And they can't do it. And you've got guys who are just running all over the place that just don't have a feel for where they're supposed to be when Mahomes is panicked or Mahomes is on the move. And, you know, I kind of thought this would be fixed by now, but clearly it's not. And, Trent, you know, it, it's not going to be fixed the rest of the season. If, mm-hmm. if they somehow manage to, to beat the Bengals and get in the AFC West, you know, win the division, 
Take the week off because there is no reason to play at the Chargers. Rest everybody. And then come into the playoffs with two weeks rest and say, okay, you know, we're going to turn it on. Oh, by the way, we're probably going to be facing the Buffalo Bills right. in round one. Yeah. So, you know, which I hope happens because that's the game I want to watch. I'd rather just get it out of the way now. Mm-hmm. Let's see if that game was a fluke. Let's see how good the Bills really are. Can they win two games at Arrowhead? I don't think they can. But, you know, it, it's this is the worst I've seen the Chiefs play in a really, really long time. Even when they had Alex Smith, they had stretches where they were bad. But they were never uh, this this um, uh, disoriented and not knowing what to do on the field as they are right now. A path that would be home for Buffalo at Miami at Baltimore, and five consecutive years with that AFC Championship game in Kansas City. Not going to be the case, obviously, this season. The path, a whole lot more difficult. ChiefsBlitz.com is a place to go. You guys are up on YouTube. You can find the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about Chiefs Blitz and what you're doing over there, Nick. Well, you know, we got a website we started about four months ago. It's it's going great. We appreciate it, babe. We try to put at least a couple of pieces of content up a day. We've got the four guys in the bar Chief Blitz podcast that we do three days a week, and then we're on spaces after the game. This week's been a little crazy because uh, of the holidays, but nonetheless, um, you know, we just really enjoy what we're doing. We appreciate you guys giving us some free plugs here and there. And uh, you know, we, uh, you know, you, I think you said what Ken's going to be sixty-five, right? Sixty-five, yeah. Dang man, he's almost. I'm, I'm, I'm still younger than he is. <laughs> man, oh man, oh man. Yeah, we'll have to razz him. If, if he's on the show, check me. Let me know. I'm going to give him some razzing on Wednesday. All right, that sounds good. Appreciate it, Nick. We'll be catching all, right. all your work at ChiefsBlitz.com. Thank you for the time, and we'll be talking again here in the coming weeks. All right, Trent. Appreciate you. Thanks. Nick, Nick Athen joining us talking Kansas City Chiefs. Our Kansas City Chiefs coverage here on KXNO all throughout the season. Of course, we have Mitch Holtis also coming in on the local front, brought to you by Graphite Construction. One more to go. We kick off the second hour. Back to college sports and David Eichold from 24-7. You're going to be hearing David quite a bit here today on the KXNO airwaves. He's also going to be in with Sean for the drive coming up from 3 until 6. We'll talk Hawkeyes with David, including the big news. Nick Jackson has been granted eligibility, a waiver. Now, will he come back? Still to be seen. Plus, Vinny and I are talking NFL. Hour 2, come your way next.